Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 146, a very special episode that we've got going on today. I'm your host, Rick Verbonis, and as always, we are joined by the best gosh darn co-host out there. That is one Mr. Bob Lucius. Oh, Bob. So many nights I'd sit by my window waiting for someone to sing me his song. So many dreams I kept deep inside me, alone in the dark. But now you've come along. And you light up my life. You give me hope to carry on. Is that a little Barry Manilow? <laughs> no, Bob, that, no. that's a Debbie Boone. Oh, was it Debbie Boone? Debbie Boone, 1977. You oh know why God. you may not remember her? She was a one-hit wonder, Bob. Was she? Debbie Boone. Oh, my yeah. God. One-hit wonder. It uh, Now, now she <laughs> may have made some charts, you know, on the Christian mm -hmm. list and yeah. things like that. But as far as, like, the overall American list, yeah, she's, she's pretty much a one-hit wonder. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, Rick. I like, I love one hit wonders. You know, yesterday I was driving with my wife over to uh, Jupiter, Florida to visit uh, her aunt and uncle and uh, to pick up some, some tools that he was gifting me. And uh, there was a song that came on the radio that was, I think another one hit wonder from the 1970s, Paul Davis, I go crazy. Do you remember that? Uh, no, maybe perhaps you could <laughs> remind me how it goes. I probably can't now. <laughs> but, you know, yesterday, now you put me on the spot. I can't. But yesterday, oh, I remembered every single word of oh, that yeah? song. And I was like belting it out in the car as I was driving, right? Uh, uh -huh. My wife was like, why do you remember this song? And I'm like, I remember like riding in like the way back, you know, because I had five older brothers and sisters. I was uh -huh. in the way back of the Oldsmobile station wagon. Like uh -huh. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two and a half hours. Now, were you on the, in that section where they, they flip yeah. the, the thing where you can actually sit on the bench and you're facing the inside of the car? Yes, that that's exactly it. Yes. You know, Bob, I did the same exact thing because I had four older right. brothers and well, sisters. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, so I do know. Yeah. And I remember hearing that song and there were two songs from like the seventies that I remember distinctly uh -huh. uh, driving in the Oldsmobile with my family going camping, you know, driving up to Vermont to where, the, where the, the extended family lived and Paul Davis, I go crazy. One of them. And the other one was, Seasons I go in the crazy. Sun. <laughs> I'm sorry, what was, what was yeah, the second one? Seasons in the sun. Oh, you remember that one. Uh, we had seasons in the sun. Right. We Both had, of them were just real tear-jerker songs. We had seasons in the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Everybody's like, what's that song about? Oh, it's about a guy dying, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's what the, I don't think that's what the song was actually about. Uh, uh -huh. But that's what like the, you know, urban legend. That's what the song right, was. Right, right, right. Well, we're going to, if you love One Hit Wonders, Bob, you're going to love today's episode because we are doing a top 10 list of Captain American villains, one and dones. So these are villains that, uh, you know, Cap fought and then we never heard from him again. Never, never. Never heard from him again. Yeah. And so I thought this was a fun idea and uh, we put it out there to the Facebook group and 
oh, we got a ton of ideas, tons of thoughts. And these were characters are like, oh, I didn't even think of those. Right. Yeah. Um, so we had like 40 different comments of of yeah. suggestions on the so I I think we're gonna have a lot of fun today. I know, but you know, it wasn't as easy as the task appeared, you know, when we when we started, we came up with it and said, let's do this and put it on the Facebook group. And there were lots of great uh suggestions, but then it you know it remained to us to to run down the data on some of these. And yeah. some of them were like, oh crap you know, uh, he appeared somewhere else. So like one of them was, uh, I remember armless tiger man. Yes. Right. Now we knew that armless tiger man originated in the golden age. And we did make a little caveat that said, well, we, we, we will allow for a character that originated in the golden age, but was only used once post, you know, silver age and beyond. And so we thought, oh, Armless Tiger Man, that's a that's a great one, right? Because he mm -hmm. was in Flags of Our Fathers. That right, we, yeah, the miniseries with Black Panther, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, perfect. And then he shows up in like an, an indestructible Hercules miniseries. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, so I was, dang. So, yeah. so it took a lot of research for us to figure out, like, are these folks actually one-hit wonders? Right, yeah. yeah. And and so there was a, a resource that... Uh, that that I found that uh, was really really helpful, and it's it's the complete Marvel reading order, and um, the website is cmro. dot travis t r a v i s dash starns s t a r n e s dot com. So cmro, which stands for complete Marvel reading order, and then I guess Travis Starns is the guy who probably. Did all the hard work and put yeah, all this together. Devoted his entire life. To yeah. yeah, it's really cool because you could you could pick a character and then you could see every single issue that they've been in in the reading order that they were published. Uh, how, so how can this be possible? I know. Is, and so is there, there were, like a sweatshop in Bangladesh where he's got like <laughs> hundreds of people on the job doing this? I don't know. Maybe we need to have him a guest on the show. Guess, yeah. All right, Travis, if you're, if you're out there, uh, you know, reach out to me uh, on watcher? Facebook. Yeah, not, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a great point. So, yeah, Travis, you're out there. Reach out to me. Uh, you could send me an email at capcomicfans at gmail.com or just hit me up on Facebook uh, or Twitter and we'll uh, we'll try to get you on the show and talk you talk to us about it. This is an amazing database um, because it's broken down by major characters, minor characters, and then most of these that we're going to go over today fell underneath obscure characters. And you're right. We had to go in and there was, you know, like take, take for example, uh, another one is um, uh, number one. Right. The the yep. main villain that yeah. was in that Steve Englehart run that, you know, people say was Richard Nixon. Right. But right. he was a high ranking government official who, mm -hmm. you know, committed suicide at the end. And you're like, oh, well, there you go. Like here he is in cap. And then here he is. Um, you know, he dies at the end. So that's a one and done. No, no. He actually appeared previously to Captain America in. I want to, I, I'm not, I don't have time to look it up right now, but it was like yeah. amazing adventures or something like that. And it was a significant story that led into the captain America story. But so yeah. we did some research and, and, uh, and I, listen, I know Bob gets a lot of flack for, <laughs> for just showing up because, you know, out of 140 some episodes, 
He's probably done that 130 some, but, uh, but, but today, but today he, he put a lot of research into these characters. <laughs> that's, you know, Rick, that's, that's how I like to, uh, I like, you know, me, I'm a bookworm. I like to dig into the books. Right. Uh -huh. And, uh, and of course, when I sent, you know, Rick, some background information, you know, the first thing he did was complain that it was too much. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> you, know, like, you can't win for losing on this show, folks. <laughs> I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, All right. Word, or, word, word, word. <laughs> punctuation word where's yeah. where's the more pictures where are the pictures uh, i did I, put pictures for you each did. character for you you did man. you did a you did a picture of uh each character yeah that yeah. was that was very nice of you but you know i read comics bob i i'm not an intellectual like you <laughs> uh, uh but yeah. i did i did a little a little fun stuff too bob so oh, right. uh i am going to weave in a one hit wonder song in between each one of these. <laughs> We're going to count them down. This was actually VH1's top 10 uh, one hit wonders. Yeah. I don't know it, what they based it on, but VH1, it was. It's the MTV for the thinking crowd. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So, so this was, I think it was based on the fact that, you know, these were American ranked songs I don't don't you go looking them up because I'm going to quiz you as we go through. Oh, all right. All right? Okay. All right. So, what we're and I just by the way, uh you light up my life, uh that was number 11. Yes. Okay. Right. Yeah. So we're going to go as we go through 10 to mm -hmm. 1 in our rankings, I'm going to do the 10 to 1 top one hit wonder songs. All right. Awesome. awesome. Now, if that's not a reason to stick around. It is. Yeah. We're at the very end. We're going to do uh, what we did before when we did our top 10 villains not named the Red Skull, which is all the way back in episode nine. We're going to do dishonorable mentions. Yes. And so maybe, maybe uh, the ones that you had suggested on the Facebook group, maybe they did make it into the dishonorable mentions. So stick around for that. And if that's not a reason to stick around, Bob. We are going to announce next episode's guest, and it's a doozy, Bob. This is a big one wow. that we're going to have next episode. So stick yeah. around for the end of that, and we will let you know. All right. Well, that that you are truly a marketing guy because you sold me. I'm going to stick around. Are you? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, Bob, if we were talking about marketing, uh, you know, if you were a patron of the show, you would actually already know who the guest was because we reached out to you to let you know first and to see if you wanted to submit a question for our guest. How do you become a patron, you do ask? Well, go to CaptainAmericaComicBookFans.com and you will see an area where it says perks for being a patron or something like that. Uh, just click on that and you can sign up. And if you um, go to the Shield Slinger or higher level super soldier, um, you will get a few different perks. One of them being our challenge coin, which by the way, we're running out. So make sure you sign up for that soon. As well as some other cool things, including knowing who our guests are first and submitting a question. How's that for marketing, Bob? That was a good job. Yeah. Good job. You should pursue a career in this field. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, we got anything to, to go over before we get into this top 10 list? Hmm. 
Anything fun or exciting happening in your life that you want to? No, I think, I mean, I, I told you that I had, uh, I traveled over to pick up all these tools. Oh uh, yeah. And, this was your, was your uncle. Yeah. So right? it's my, my aunt, my, my wife's aunt um, okay. was married about eight years ago. We actually introduced them and, uh, and he, he moved out here, uh, moved in with her here in, in Florida. And he is, a, he, he took up woodworking as a hobby in his life. In fact, he, he, because he wanted to build a sailboat and he built a sailboat. Right. We, we had this conversation. I said yeah. I would not get in any sailboat that any family member of mine made. Yes. So I went over because he said, hey, uh, you know, I, he's like mid 80s. He's like, I got to I got to get rid of these things. Would you like them? And I said, yeah, I want them. I, and then I he said you had to rent a car. Right. He, did you rent a? He did say you need something. So I said, oh, and he sent me some dimensions of stuff. And I rented a big old pickup truck and drove over there. And it wasn't nearly big enough. Uh, and he, you know, I could tell he was a little steamed at me because he wants, he just bought a Porsche and he wants to put it in his garage uh-huh. and all the workbench and the tools. So, so I, he takes me into the garage and, um, I gotta be honest with you, Rick, I, I did not take wood shop in high school. I took electronics. And so uh-huh. I know a drill and a circular saw and a jigsaw and yeah, that's pretty much it. A Dremel. I can identify mm-hmm. those four tools. So he mm-hmm. takes me in there and he's like, okay, uh, what do you want? <laughs> and these yeah. things, these things might have been in Arnim Zola's laboratory for all <laughs> I knew. Right. I mean, I, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even identify what they were. I was like, uh-huh. oh, the green one. I think uh-huh. I could use one of the green ones and you know, I don't have that one. I don't have, a, I don't have, I don't have a red one. Um, I'd like a red one. And so I said, maybe you could just, if you were getting started and you wanted like a base woodworking workshop, which of these would be best to have? And so he sort of helped me identify things. And I was able to fit a lot uh, and brought them all home last night and unpacked them and put them in the garage. But I have to go back again to, to get the remaining stuff. So so this is probably the last time you'll see me with uh, 10 fingers. I'm showing them now. Uh-huh. Uh, probably the last time that you'll see me with all 10. Ah. So, I, I do see that you're wearing your Captain America ring. Oh, yes. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what's up, twin? Yeah, all right. Hey, I got mine twins on. activate. <laughs> form of a bucket of water. Yeah, form of a podcast co-host. Yeah. Uh, click, click, so. click, click. <laughs> yeah. So that was my excitement um, this weekend. Ah, that's cool. How about you, man? Doing anything cool? Well, I, you know, I came back, I took the family on, a, uh, you know, our, our big vacation for the year. And um, uh, normally we, we just kind of go to the beach, but um, yeah. my sister lives in Spain and she's been after us for a long time to, to come out there. And, you know, with my son just graduating college, I was like, ah, if I don't do it now, I don't right. know when we're going to do this. So yeah, it was not cheap. But we, we, we went out there for 10 days, take probably a couple of those away for travel, but, right, yeah. um, but we had a nice trip. It was a nice trip. So yeah, it was a, it was a really good time. We, we kind of broke it up um, you know, with first half was like a beach vacation where, uh, you know, it was a real, we had an, a place that it was like an apartment um, with a, with a deck that, you know, we could actually see the ocean from our deck and, and hear it at night, which was really nice. Uh, beautiful boardwalk, um, you know, probably not as much of a Spanish 
cultural thing because it, it was more of like a resort area uh, but it seemed like we were the only americans there like we ran into one other american couple over the course of four days um so it seemed like that's where a lot of the spanish and some europeans um went to to vacation so that was kind of cool um very relaxing very nice uh and you know eh, the topless topless as well yeah you know nice. so you got a little bit of that going yeah. uh, I, I gotta say uh did mostly, you go topless I, I did once or yeah. twice. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, when in Rome. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I will say most of those uh, people going topless were probably like mm, our age or more. Yeah. It's never as good as it is in, is in the advertising. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. so, this, so then we kind of reversed it, right? We, uh, we, we, we went back to Valencia to get the high speed train to go back to to Madrid, and then that's when we 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 saw my sister and her boyfriend, and uh, we had an apartment there that was like downtown, you know, uh, very close to uh, the underground, um, you know, the, as far as the the subway system they have, which is very clean, very nice. It's a really clean city, very nice people, um, and we did a lot of walking. A lot of walking. And my sister and her boyfriend were wonderful hosts. They had all these things planned out for us. Like, you know, this day we're going to do this, this day we're going to do that. So that was very helpful. And, you know, she, she, he'd lived there his entire life. She, she had been there, you know, 12 years. So they, they had a lot of good things to, you know, Insights, customs, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and, uh, and it was nice to, you know, people who, who spoke English to, you know, cause my Spanglish, you know, gets uh -huh. us by si, so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, that's it. <laughs> Donde está el baño? <laughs> uh, so we did that, and then um, we did so much walking. This was the first vacation, Bob, I ever went on. I actually lost weight. Wow. And I was only half a pound, yeah. but normally when I go on vacation, I gain three to five pounds. Right. And this one, guess how many miles over the course of our our entire trip guess how many miles we had walked 73 close 60 60 wow yeah that's a lot it is yeah it's like an ultra marathon or something there. something like that i don't yeah. know boy whatever those you know healthy people do yeah but uh yeah but anyway wow. um and, and you met steve rogers while you were i there. did i did I posted that in the in the facebook group yeah there was a life-size version of steve rogers in one of their collectible shops which was i was just like what yeah. like of all the superhero characters they could put in there they put captain america which i thought was really interesting yeah. um, but it was fun I, I i'm really glad i went we had a lot of good time with family and seeing my sister um you know and like i said i i'm i'm more of a beach person so i'm not much of a sightseeing person um it was cool seeing the cathedrals it was cool seeing the castles it was cool um you know seeing the various sites and things like that um but the first half felt kind of like relaxing like a vacation and the second half felt more like a class trip. Right, right. You know, it's, yeah, yeah we're not relaxing, uh, but it beats going to school. Yeah. You know, right. so, yeah. Um, but anyway, I, you know, and, and I know my, my wife and my kids, they love sightseeing. So they, they really enjoyed it. So that was the, that was the important part. Right, right. Well, that's awesome, man. That sounds like you had a lot of fun and, uh, and you'll be looking back on this uh, for years and years and talking about it. So, see, si, senor. Yeah. All right, Bob, I I am excited about this top 10 list. Do you want to get to it? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. All right, so the parameters we kind of talked about, it is uh, a villain or an antagonist, 
Ooh, I like that word. Right? That has um, been in the Captain America books that fought Captain America and then never seen or heard from again. Uh, Other than that, you know, it was pretty wide open, right? Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. We yeah. yeah, and we're looking at we're looking at all kinds of decades here, right? You know, we're looking at the forties, the fifties, all the way up to recent times. So we have a little bit of everything in this top ten list. And Bob, do you want to start? I would, Rick. But I, you know, I, I mean, you might find this interesting because I know uh, you you love history. But okay. did you know a fun fact for you? Rick. Uh-huh. Did you did you know the the origin of the word villain? No, I did not. Well, it's a medieval word, actually, from you know medieval England. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a, you know, back then in the medieval period, they had serfs, right? And serfs were tied to the land uh, of the manor, mm-hmm. uh, the lord of the manor, right? And so um, they couldn't leave the land. Um, and so a villain was the lowest rung of the, um, let's just say the indentured class. So mm-hmm. they, yeah, they were sworn loyal to the lord of the manor and they could not leave their property and so they were given a small set you know a small piece of land which they had to farm and and they had to pay a certain amount of their crops to the lord of the manor every year but they they weren't like free to just leave and go find some other place to live if they could find a better deal at a at a different you know a different lord's manor so a villain was sort of like the person everybody looked down upon as being the sort of the low life you know almost close to a slave in terms of their social class. So interestingly, that's the word we use for bad guys. Wow. I did not know that. Uh, How did you find that out, Bob? Well, I've been reading a lot of histories of, of uh, medieval history. And so Mm. um, one in particular I was reading covered what it was like to, to live in that era, that era and Mm -hmm. explaining the different social classes and stuff. So I know I found that was interesting that we sort of borrowed that word and have transformed it into the bad guy, the antagonist, as you point Mm -hmm. out. It is interesting. Um, I, I, yeah, what did we call them before in that top 10 list? It was, um, there's, yeah, that's right. There was a difference between villains and bad guys. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So Rick coming in at number 10, uh, the numero Diaz. (laughs) Just bear with us folks. We got to get this out of his system. All right. Is Eric Cameron, otherwise known as Adonis. Have you, you remember Adonis Rick? Probably. Wait a minute, Bob. Was that, was that your nickname in high school? (laughs) Right. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they called me. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Eric Cameron appeared in one issue in one issue only, Rick, and that was Captain America 243 with a cover date of March 1980. So if you do not remember, because you Wait probably a minute, that don't. was that was pre-Roger Stern John Byrne. This was a Roger McKenzie Rich Butler. Butler. Ah, uh, yes, issue. yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh it was a it was a one-shot wonder, one issue story featuring a guy by the name of Eric Cameron, who was the, the president and CEO of a, an electronics company. And somehow he managed to pilfer 
the shield master matrix that, you know, shield uses to build their life model decoys. And mm -hmm. his goal was, you know, he was kind of a shrimpy little guy and he was getting older and he wanted to sort of turn himself into the perfect man, right? He would mm -hmm. be healthy and physically robust and, and he would live for years and years and years being able to run his company. But his son had different ideas, uh, um, Rick, and he sabotaged the master matrix. And so when his father got into it, it actually short-circuited and overloaded. Oh, no. And, yeah. And it turned him into this sort of, you know, Quasimodo-looking creature that uh, was physically deformed. But more than that, it also sort of mentally unbalanced him and turned him into an insanely paranoid and, and murderous dude. So, you know, when this happens, of course, uh, Cap is, is looking for this master matrix and he's, he's at uh, Cameron Electronics when this incident happens. But somehow Adonis gets away before Cap can get him. And he runs and he heads out and hides out in a swamp. And he decides that he is going to go back into the city and he's going to cause a lot of turmoil and, and basically conduct a war on beauty. And so Ooh. he's got a great, great quote where he says, all you know is beauty. You build statues to beauty. You put beauty on a pedestal. You worship beauty, but beauty is false. There is no beauty, not for me. So that's a <laughs> that's Adonis <laughs> for you, right? So he goes in, and it's a really sort of anticlimactic battle with mm -hmm. Cap. It takes place, you know, at this park, and there's some construction equipment, and somehow in the process of this, poor Adonis gets snagged on on a bulldozer, and you know, there's little levers that turn it on and off, and all yeah. that, and mm -hmm. pulls on the lever, and unfortunately it drives into the lake and it short circuits Adonis and basically electrocutes. I mean, that's, that's the end of poor Adonis. Aww. Yeah. So there you have it. Now, one why shot. did, why did he make your top 10 list, Bob? Well, I, well, because one, it's hard to find a, a lot of characters that only appear <laughs> once, Rick. And, uh, you know, I just felt bad for this guy. You know, the, the name Adonis, of course, comes from um, the Greek pantheon of gods. And, uh -huh. and Adonis was, uh, you know, the god of uh, beauty and desire, at least the male one, Aphrodite being, being the, uh, the opposite. And so there was actually a great story in Greek mythology where basically Aphrodite, the goddess of love, and, and Persephone fight over. Adonis and uh, Aphrodite cheats to win this contest to see which one he will pick and, uh, and Persephone gets mad and goes and complains to Zeus and poor Adonis you know gets a, a boar sicked on him and it gores him and of course he ends up down in hell which coincidentally that's where Persephone lives as uh, as the the goddess of the underworld and so he ends up having to spend most of his year down there with her. And then he gets to come back up and spend a little time with, uh, with Aphrodite. So, so there's this Greek mythological basis for this character of Adonis. And he's just sort of a very sympathetic guy at the end. He's a real sort of a-hole in the beginning, right? Because mm -hmm. he's just greedy and he wants to run this company. So much so, his son doesn't even like him. But he kind of gets screwed by his son and, and you know, and, and he ends up in this very sympathetic demented physically deformed character but you know it's just sort of un unsatisfying uh, how it ends it really should have had a much better ending there it fe felt very rushed so mm -hmm. i really would think sort of like this part yeah it would be great to see adonis uh have another another crack at you know a storyline but he's dead well is he 
Is anybody ever really dead in comics? <laughs> uh, okay. Now tell me again about this. Um, uh, Adonis goes to hell and he has to spend time with who? So Persephone. Persephone is is the goddess of of hell. She's married to um, who is she married to? She's married to uh, the 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 god of the underworld, uh, Hades. Hades. Okay. Yeah. So you know she's cheating on him in the first place. So I guess he's okay. Wait a minute. So Persephone is 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 banging Adonis in hell? Yeah. Yeah. Nicely put. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you summarized it nicely. Yes. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, just no wonder but, Hades. You know, in all fairness, pissed. Aphrodite was banging uh, Ares, the god of war. So you know they both had significant others, but they were still fighting over Adonis. You know what that's like. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So all right, good one. All right, so yeah. so let's do the top ten according to VH1. One hit wonder. Are you ready for this one, Bob? Oh, I'm I'm absolutely ready. Okay, so this one I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna this this is gonna be an easy one. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna give you the lyrics. You have to guess the song. All right. All right. You and I in a little toy shop, buy a bag of balloons with the money we've got, set them free at the break of dawn till one by one they were gone. Love it. Back at base, sparks in the software flashed a message. Something's out there floating in the summer sky. What is 99 it? 99 Luft balloons. <laughs> That's right. Nina, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, great song. Great yeah. song. Bonus points if you can guess the year it came out. Oh, was it 1982? Oh, so close. 1983. Oh, 1983. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Ninety nine Luft Balloons by Nina from Germany. Yeah. And uh, that uh, that was number ten on the VH1 One Hit Wonders. Nice. All right, Rick. Let's proceed to number nine. Who do you got for number nine? Number nine. Okay. So this one, this one, Bob. I am going to go with the villain called Blistic. Not the lip thing. No, it's Blistic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, this is Blistic. B L I S T I K. Okay. And uh, if you if you remember the cover to this one, this came out in 1993. It had a cover date of October. It was Captain America 422. Um, so it was in the middle, you know, of the Mark Grunewald run. Um, and the the art at this time was by Rick Levins. And the, on the cover, it's like Captain America. And then there's this guy in like this purple armor with this battle staff, and they're kind of over this in the sky. And um, it's a interesting looking character. It's totally '90s looking. Um, you know, he he had this kind of purple armor, and then he had shoulder pads, of course. And uh, <laughs> they were. They were kind of like an orangey gold color, and then he had uh, orange pouches around his his uh, his waist. You know where in the pouches, Bob? Mints, chapstick. Ah, yes. <laughs> and then he had uh, this uh, this 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 battle staff, which allowed him to fly, and he could fire out of it. Um, so his name was Victor Lillian, and. Uh, he liked to to consider himself the protector of the quality of urban life. Ah, yes. 
Uh, he was a self-named urban avenger uh, in New York. Um, see, he was a he's a vigilante. So, mm-hmm. and he was very he had questionable and often violent methods of upholding order, as he liked to think of it. Um, so he he had, like in this issue, he attacked a group of teens because they had loud music. And um, who does who hasn't wanted to do that? Yeah, who hasn't done that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, he blew up a van because it drove through a red light. Um, which you know they all nearly hit a pedestrian, and then and then he had, um, you know people were yelling at him, so you know he he yeah, breaks enough. out his weapons. So anyway, um, he eventually comes into conflict with Cap, and uh, Fabian uh, Stankowitz. Do you remember him? Yeah, it was one of like Cap's team, right? Yeah, yeah. In now before he was Cap's team, he was actually a villain, mm-hmm. and he uh, attacked the Avengers Mansion, um. And eventually he he went on the good side and, and Cap brought him in as kind of like a tech guy um, during the um, what was it? The ice. What was the streets of poison? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Streets of poison story. I think he got addicted to the ice. Right. Yeah. Um, so he, he kind of gone through some tough times. He's he's battled, you know, some demons. Um, and so he climbs up onto the Brooklyn Bridge with the idea that he he's going to jump off, right, and commit suicide. Now, Blistic gets annoyed with Fabian because he's causing a scene. He's disrupting traffic. Oh yeah, so, rush hour. Yeah, yeah. So so he that. basically is trying to move it along. So he encourages Fabian to jump quickly, right? Uh, so Cap arrives, tries to talk to Fabian. Uh, which annoyed Blistic even more. Blistic then shocks Cap with his energy staff. And then um, for good measure, Blistic actually tries to push Fabian off the bridge. And and fortunately, Cap was able to rally and stop him and eventually knocking Blistic into the river. And he hasn't been seen since. Wow. Now, uh, I, I do like the fact because he, he, he says to Fabian, jump if you're going to. See those rubberneckers down there? Those police cars, it's going to be rush hour soon. Your indecision is disrupting traffic. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I think he, I think this was um, the precursor to the movie Michael Douglas falling down. Right. It sounds a lot like him. Yeah. Right. It does. I think he's, you know, it's, it's yeah. like Michael Douglas's character. He just snaps, he grabs yeah. this, this soup. Somehow he has his battle armor suit and his battle staff. Yep. And he just goes out there and, uh, it starts taking care of annoyances in, yeah. in the city. He sounds like he would be perfect for an HOA board, mm. you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Especially in Florida. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and then one of the notable quotes is, uh, perhaps you did not hear me over the sound of your own noise pollution. I said, lower the volume of your ghetto blasters, or I shall find you all guilty of an inner city quality of life infraction and deal with you accordingly. Uh, I love that phrase. Inner city inner, quality yeah, of life that's infraction. Beautiful. Yeah, that could be that should be an acronym. And you and I see Q or LI. Yeah. Guilty. Uh here's a little fun fact, Bob. Yeah. The idiomatic ballistic. Uh the usage derives from the second generation of jet fighters. You probably right. knew this, right? Aren't oh, they, they had yeah. guided missiles on them in the right. late 1950s and in the sixties. And, and when a fully powered non-ballistic guided missile goes ballistic, yeah, 
that's a malfunction that's a bad which thing. causes them to assume a free fall yeah i i remember you know i used to shoot missiles rick and they were guided missiles and you had to uh with the system i used you had to keep the radar pointed at the aircraft and then the missile would follow the the reflected energy beam that bounced off the aircraft right so the operator not me of course i just hit the button when it flashed to fire the missile okay the the, the enlisted guys would actually have to steer it uh-huh. you know, to its, its endpoint but if if it lost that reflected energy signal it would go ballistic and it would just into the ground you know eventually it would it would just and but did you deactivate them so they don't yeah, it, it it did have blow a, it did, up when it hits it, the ground? Yeah, it had a self-destruct sequence. And so you could you could initiate that yourself from afar or after it lost radar lock for I think it was three or four seconds, it would it would self-destruct anyway. So but it would go into that free fall ballistic, you know, trajectory. So hmm. but yeah, I, anyway, I, I think this idea of going ballistic, that 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 phrase was used a lot in this era, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why Mark Grunewald came up with this character, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, um, you know, it's funny, Bob, I was having flashbacks to when you were talking about you firing missiles. Uh, yeah, I used to do the same thing with the game called Missile Command. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I hadn't the... thought about that game in probably yeah. 40 years. <laughs> um, but That's the yeah. training we did. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, they sat us in a living room in 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 somebody's basement, and they just put us in in, in front of uh, Atari to mm-hmm. do missile command. Yeah, excellent. So, was that Activision? I don't remember. It was cheap. I don't. <laughs> yeah, try. I think it was Missile Command that I had on on Atari, right? Missile yeah, command. well, that's what I just said. Missile yeah. Command. Was yeah, it yeah. missile? Yeah. So, and it was just you had fired the missiles up. Yeah. Right? Was there a dome? I think it was. Yeah, a dome. there was a dome. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that was fun stuff. Yeah. Good All right, Bob. Let's get to number nine. On the VH1 top 10 one hit wonders. You ready for this one? This one's going to be a little, am. I am. a little harder, Bob. It's a little harder? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because the number's lower? Or, or... Yeah, well, this one's a little harder. Oh, okay. okay. All right. It's a guy by the name of, you <clears throat> probably remember this guy, Rick, very famous guy, well known, Agron. Mm-hmm. Wait, Everybody... dude, I haven't gotten into the one hit wonder yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. This this one's gonna be a little harder, Bob. All right. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let me hold. Right. Let, me, let, me, uh, let me limber I, up. I I'm gonna skip the first four lines because they're in Spanish. <laughs> Should be able to pull those off flawlessly at this point. Oh, uh, I'll get Come to this. Right? All right. Yeah. I don't drink or smoke. Ain't into dope. Won't try no coke. Ask me how I do it. I cope. My only addiction has to do with the female species. I eat them raw like sushi. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea who that is. Oh, that is Rico Suave by Gerardo. <laughs> okay, that makes perfect sense. Rico Suave. Rico Suave, yeah. All right, what year was that? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, gosh, Rico Suave. I don't, I don't know. That one was... You see that there was a big scandal here, just like well, not a big. Scandal. Oh wait, you went, you went. Hold on, Rico Suave. Okay, yeah. sorry. That let me pull that up. I had it right here. That was 1991. Oh, okay, 1991. I think I was asleep that year. So okay, okay. that makes sense. All right, there, you know, there's a big scandal. Did you see the big? Was like a scandal? Maybe it's too strong of a word, but there was like a big hubbub. 
a to do oh. a couple weeks ago, yeah. three weeks ago, something like that. Kanye West had a birthday party and they served like sushi off like naked women. Did you see that? Ah, yeah, so he, so, he eats it raw too. He eats it raw too. So big fan of Rico Suave, apparently. Yeah. Ah, maybe yeah. that's where you guys' inspiration. Yeah. All right, Bob, what's number eight on our top 10 list? All right, number eight on our top 10 list uh, is another very famous uh, uh, bad guy that you probably are well aware of, Rick. Guy by the name of Agron. Ring a bell? Uh, no. No, of course not. Yeah, Agron. Sorry. Another one-shot wonder uh, that appeared in precisely two. Isn't issues. that something that we we have in our attics or something like that? It's like bad for us. <laughs> Don't they do a test? Can you do a test for that? Yeah, gives you like butt cancer or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Agron, created by Jack Kirby, of course, right? Uh, first appeared in Captain America number two hundred four with a cover date of December, 1976. Mm -hmm. So interesting character. This guy, uh, Agron, comes from the Earth's distant future, what they refer to as Earth 76216, as opposed to Earth 616. So same Earth, but distant future, where basically the Earth is uh, getting ready to, you know, the sun has increased size, the moon is getting ready to crash into the Earth, everything's going to hell in a handbasket, mm. and humanity, what's left of it anyway, has evolved into bodiless forms. They're, they're basically disembodied mental energy. And so Agron finds a way to flee his time period and go back to uh, what at that time contemporary earth. So he, he shows up and this mental energy finds himself a corpse at the mortuary and he inhabits this corpse. And of course the corpse starts, you know, walking around doing stuff and acting crazy. So somehow he ends up at shields uh, uh, a psychiatric facility. Mm -hmm. now, I didn't know you knew psychiatric facility shield had one. But they did. And so they start like looking at him, checking him out, and uh, they can't quite figure him out because he doesn't really have a pulse or a heart rate, but he seems to be animated. And so at some point he gets up and he tries to break out. And um, who do they call, of course? Captain America? Captain America. But you know what Captain America says? <laughs> he can't what? make it. He can't make it right now because he's too busy sitting in his apartment pining over Sharon. Oh, yeah. So it was 1976. Bob. <laughs> it was 1976. So but fortunately, in the same psychiatric facility, they've got Sam Wilson and Layla, who have just been rescued from the night people. And so they've got some mental issues going on at this point. They're not acting quite right. And so they call Sam to come and help out and capture this Agron character and slap him back in the wrist and leg irons. And he can't do it. He, he Agron's too strong for him. It seems like every time he wakes up, he is stronger and then he like falls back asleep when he runs out of energy but he wakes up again he's bigger more muscular and stronger so eventually they get sam and cap together and they're able to take on agron and they eventually trick him into getting so mad that cap and falcon that he leaves the body and just takes the form of pure mental energy because he's much more powerful that way mm -hmm. But that's exactly what they wanted to do, because as soon as he did that, they were able to trap him in this containment tube. Uh, was it like the Ghostbusters? It was just like the Ghostbusters. And then that was the end of it. That's the last we see of Agron. Apparently, they just reel him off to some shield storage facility, and we never hear from him again. And so, you know, Agron, right before they kept capture him, he says, I am Agron. This time period must become my own. I shall not be ousted from this century. 
That's a great <laughs> Agron quote. But unfortunately, he wasn't ousted from that century, but he didn't quite make it his own. Oh, uh, not yeah. as good as your Adonis quote. <laughs> quote. I, 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 I'm seeing Bob. You need to do more voices when we cover comics. Yeah, I'm new at this. I'm new at this. You totally need to do more. <laughs> so anyway, you know, Agron, a little bit of a disappointing <clears throat> character, but it had a lot of potential, right? Mm -hmm. This disembodied mental energy that could inhabit different bodies. You know, he's from the future Earth, right? He's not an alien. He's, he's a future human. And so they, they maybe they could bring him back and use him in a different way. Who knows, right? But uh, an interesting villain nonetheless, even mm -hmm. if he sort of got short shrift in this particular two-issue story. All right. All right. JMS. J. Michael Straczynski. Are you uh, he's a new cap writer, right? For the for the next series that's coming out in a few months. Uh, are you listening to this top 10 list? Because we're, we're giving you gold right gold. here. Yeah. Gold. Yeah. These are all characters that you could bring back. And we know everyone who gets captured and held at a shield containment facility escapes. Eventually. Eventually. So they all do. All right, Bob, you ready for number eight on VH1's top 10 one-hit wonders? I am. I am. All right, here we go. All right. We're talking away. I don't know what I'm to say. I'll say it anyway. Today is another day to find you. Shine away. Oh, I'll be coming for your love, okay? <laughs> Take on me, <laughs> take on me. Oh yeah, baby! Aha! I, I <laughs> That's right. It. Yeah, 1985. Yep, yep. A great year. A great mm. year, and a great music video. Oh, totally. Yeah, right? with the whole animation and the yeah. black and white, and they're jumping in and going out of... around back and forth yeah. between reality and animation. Like, yeah. hey, for comic lovers like us, that's that's a cool video. That was groundbreaking, you know, at the time. And uh, yeah, awesome stuff, man. Reminds yeah. me, like, everybody's like, oh, Into the Spider-Verse, such a great movie. I'm like, ow, aha, did that back in 1985. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, fun, fun song. I like yeah. this song. Yeah. All right, let's get to number seven. Uh, I'm going to do this one, Bob. Um, the, number seven on our list of one and done villains for Cap is Sultan of Swing. Nice. It is, Sultan is an acronym. And so it is all capital letters with periods in between S-U-L-T-A-N. Sultan, do you know what it stands for, Bob? I, I do, Rick, but I'm going to let you tell me. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. it's the systematic, ultimate, lawless takeover of all nations. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So Sultan usually is uh, is also a name for like a, a ruler or a king, typically like in a in a Muslim state. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But or yeah. in a Disney movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so th this particular character, um, his his real name is unknown. But he was, he was a um, just a normal guy, uh, who who worked as a weapon designer for Shield, and um, he was dismissed from Shield because of, um, shall we say, mental instability, and so he ends up establishing this island base off uh, off the coast of Maine, where he constructs an army of robots. And he, uh, they're called biotrons, 
and he creates several ultra-sophisticated nuclear missiles, one of which he plans to launch at our capital, Washington, D.C. Like the now, plan so far. Yeah. So, you know, that sounds stable, right? Uh, now, in, in Captain America issue 265, which uh, it had a, a cover date of October 1981, um, this was a two-part story. It was, it was 265 and 266, which, by the way, we covered in episode 42. I highly, highly, highly recommend listeners out there, go listen to episode 42. Um, I remember when we did our like our annual review at the end and you asked me, like, what was your favorite episode we've done? I think mm-hmm. I listed this because we had so much fun. We had laughed yeah. our butts off during yeah. this, this particular uh, story. So anyway... In issue 265, he kidnaps Cap uh, with a molecular transfer unit, uh, but Nick Fury and Spider-Man eventually track down Cap to Sultan's lair. Now, unfortunately, they're also captured by Sultan. Now, afterwards, Sultan makes good on his promise, and he launches the first of his nuclear missiles at Washington, D.C. Now, in the course of escaping and engaging in battle with Sultan and his biotrons, they discovered that Sultan can transfer his consciousness by using a small detachable flying disc that can fly to another robot body. So he just kind of, you know, goes and zaps in between uh, using this little disc. Now, Nick Fury figures this out and he destroys the flying disc, uh, therefore putting an end to Sultan. Oh, yeah. Now, the reason I I I picked this one and uh, and why he's number seven on our list. Many reasons, Bob. I already established episode 42. Fun, fun, fun uh-huh. uh, episode. But I also have some original art that features Sultan. So I have a page from issue 265, which is um, uh, I think it's the second to last page of the story where Cap and Spider-Man are battling uh, Sultan's biotrons. And so it's a fun page. Uh, Cap's protecting him, Spider-Man with the shield, and then Spider-Man picks him up and they swing swing off. Uh, and then that, then you turn the page and you find out, oh no, they swung off the floating island uh, that's up in the sky and they're, they're falling to their doom. Then, and this is the big part, Bob, issue 266, I actually have the cover to this. And this was like my grail, right? Getting a Mike Zek Captain America right. cover. Um, you know, this I I I so lucky I was able to to get this. Um, and I don't know if I'll ever be able to get another cover because, you know, they're not cheap, but but I I treasure this. And I'm looking at them right now. Both of these things are framed side by side on my wall, right, right here in my 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 man cave with my cap stuff and so that's the that's the other reason so sultan is um you know he's a a fun character for me uh for for a lot of reasons i've heard this word biotron before rick why is that so biotron uh fun fact uh uh is the it's a a, a robot co-pilot um that in an ally uh, and an ally of, of Commander Arcturus Ron. Uh, do you remember the Micronauts comics? Yeah, that was like a toy line or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. So they, they yeah, made, something? it was a toy line that was kind of, you know, around the time of like Transformers and stuff yeah. like that. So they Micronauts were their own version. And uh, so they made, Marvel had the license and made comics. And um, so Biotron first appeared in Micronauts number one, which came out in 1978. 
and uh, then met his demise in issue 27. Uh, Interesting. So, yeah, the, 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 the Biotron sounded familiar. Yes. Do you like... do you want a, a, a notable quote from oh, Sultan? Yeah. yeah, I definitely. Right. I definitely. I don't remember the Sultan voice that I did way back uh -huh. in, in in episode forty two, but I'm going to go with this. <clears throat> All I have done, including the complete recreation of my own body, is nothing compared to what I will do once I rule the world, and rule I shall. For Sultan leaves nothing to blind fate, not even the plummeting death. Of Captain America. That's that's when Nick Fury shoots his flying disc. Yeah, is that what it, oh, <laughs> uh, bummer? Well, I left. I forgot that one. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an interesting character, definitely. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because a few weeks ago, on, on I was in, I don't know some Marvel group. Maybe it was like comic book fans, you know, through eighty six or something like Marvel comic fans through eighty six. Somebody was like really trying hard to remember who this villain was and they were like oh it was a guy that was sort of like cyborg and like he could detach you know, his consciousness could move from from you know body to body and most people are like oh that's machine smith and he's like no no not machine smith i can't remember what story it was i can't remember who the villain was and finally somebody said oh yeah it's sultan right with his flying disc and all that so uh an obscure you know obscure character for sure and did you go of swing <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I, I, I see it, I uh, want to do that. Uh, good All right, Bob. Top 10. Here we are on uh, VH1's One Hit Wonders. We are at number seven. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the lyrics, all right? This, this is going to be an easy one, Bob. Right. Totally easy. Ready? Yep. Yo, VIP, let's kick it. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back with a brand new invention. <laughs> Was that a one hit? Dun 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 dun. Ice, ice. Baby. I can't believe that was a one-hit wonder. Really? You can't believe that. All right, Vanilla name did... <laughs> another song that Vanilla Ice did. He's been and... around so long. Dargani even has a show on like HGTV or something, doesn't he? I don't know. I think he did for a while, just recently. I remember watching a couple episodes that they did like home reno or something, flipping homes with vanilla ice or something. Dance. Go rush the speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain <laughs> like a poisonous mushroom. Uh, he Deadly. never got the respect. When either. I play a dope medley, anything less than the beast is felony. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's a classic, man. Yep. Classic. All right, let's get to... Let's get to number six, Bob. All right, number, number six. six. Who do you got? Who do you got? I am going to go, Rick, with the man with no face. But AKA can you tell it's him? Hatchet Man. So, uh, so interesting character. Now, we, we said at the outset that we would allow characters that originated in the Golden Age, um, as long as they were only used once in the silver, bronze, modern age, right? So this qualifies. So the man with no face first appeared in Captain America number 77 with a cover date of July, 1954 in a story called The Man with No Face. So technically his creators are Don Rico and John Romita, the, the senior. So in the original story back in uh, 1954, it, 
has Cap and Bucky show up at a crime scene and there's a, there's an Asian man, a Chinese man who is a police officer, a police lieutenant by the name of Philip Wing. And uh, they had just apprehended um, uh, a Chinese guy running around with a, with a hatchet. And so they, they take him down and turn him into the authorities. And Philip Wing starts talking to Captain Bucky and he says, hey, there's a big conspiracy going on. Apparently there's this guy who is working for the Chinese Communist Party back in Beijing, and he's shaking down families over here by telling them that their their relatives back in China or uh, you know they're not safe if they don't pay uh, some money, uh, and that money's getting filtered back to uh, Beijing for the for the party, mm-hmm. and so they hatch this plan because it turns out Philip Wing's own brother lives in China and and he's being threatened, and so they want they want Officer Wing to pay up. So they decide that Officer Wing is going to go meet this guy, this man with no face, the hatchet man, mm-hmm. and Cap and Bucky are going to surveil from a distance and then capture him uh, when the two meet up. And so it goes down just like, just like, uh, like the plan, except um, this guy runs away. And so Cap's got to, you know, and remember in the, in the retcon, this is William Burnside and Jack Monroe. Uh, who are uh, who are filling the roles of Cap and Bucky at this point? So Cap is running after this man with no face, and he finally catches up to him at the on this rooftop. And the guy pulls off his mask, and it turns out, oh my God, it's a it's a dead ringer for Philip Wing, Officer Wing. It's his brother, the one, what? yeah, the one he thought was in China. He's the guy with the man with no face, and he runs and he jumps off the edge of the building. And at the end of the story, we hear that his, he was so disfigured in this accident that his face is no longer recognizable, but they never actually say that he's dead. And so 55 years later in uh, volume five of Captain America, issue number 44, we see the man with no face again. Of course, at this point, it's Bucky who was wearing Cap's uniform, right? And man with no face is with Batroc de Lipeur. And mm-hmm. they're fighting, um, they're fighting Bucky. And so for the next like four or five issues up to issue 48, there's this, there's this story where it turns out that the man with no face is helping another character by the name of the Iron Nail, Ron Shen. And they're trying to recover the body of the U- original Human Torch because uh, um, another guy, Dr. Chen, back in, back in China wants to create this virus that will basically kill off half the population sort of deal, a little Thanos-like dealio. And, um, and so eventually with, uh, with Black Widow and, and Namor's help, they managed to track down uh, this, this uh, mad professor and his protector, the man with no face. There's a big struggle and Namor takes the opportunity when this guy is uh, distracted because it turns out that when he fell off that building, they sent him back to China and the Chinese experimented on him to turn him into a super soldier, but it didn't quite work the way they expected. And so he didn't Mm. have any enhanced abilities other than the ability to phase himself out so that he couldn't be touched. Like your hand would go right through him. Mm -hmm. But Namor took the opportunity when this guy reached down and touched the body of his, his master, his leader, the, the mad professor he turned uh, solid at that point and Namor reached down and snapped his neck. So that was the end Uh-oh. of the man with no face. <clears throat> Sounds like a man with no head. Yeah. And Namor's a strong dude. Totally. So in- interesting, interesting story. I love how they brought back this guy from a single story in, uh, in from 1954 and, and, filled out his whole backstory in that, in the, that five issues, they had uh, a, a flashback to Bucky 
back when he was the winter soldier dealing with the man with no face back in China, uh, when he was you know, obviously working for the Soviet Union at the time. And then the flashback to the modern era when Cap was serving as Captain America. So it's a really great, um, it's a really great use of an obscure character, but it was, you know, a one-shot wonder. He, he only appeared in that one arc and, and apparently he was killed, you know, at the end of it. So, well, that is, uh, I, I, I don't remember that. I mean, like, I remember reading that Ed Brubaker story back in, I don't know, was it 2007, maybe? Yeah. Or actually, no, actually it was 2009. 2009. Yeah. Now that I'm looking it up, yeah, it's 2009, okay. But I haven't read it since. Mm-hmm. I'll have to go back and take a look at that. Yeah, um, he, had, he had a real look. He looked like the shadow, you know, mm-hmm. with, the, with, the, with the fedora. Mm-hmm. Right. And a long cape. Right. And so very much like, a, you know, like a like a super spy as opposed to a super soldier. Gotcha. Very cool. All right. So tell me, why did he make make it all the way up to number six? What was it about him that put him above Argon, Agron oh, or Adonis or yeah. Ballistic yeah. or whoever? Right. Well, here's the thing, Rick. I, I love this idea. And, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later. I, with a couple other characters, I love the idea of like super soldier experiments gone awry. Mm, right? I mean, obviously, okay. Cap Cap was you know the original, uh, and other countries have tried to duplicate the efforts. You know, whether it's Masterman or you know some of these other characters, the Red Guardian, they tried to reduplicate, recreate the the super soldier serum, and they never quite get it right. And so, yeah. this guy is an example of, of uh, one of the few that we've heard of where where the Chinese government tried to create their own super soldier, and it didn't quite work out. But he was super mm. in his enhancements and in. in particular way that are kind of unique mm-hmm. uh, in this realm. And so I, I love characters like that. So that's one of the reasons I, I picked uh, I picked this guy. And also, I just love the fact that they resurrected this guy from an obscure. There were only 16 stories in the 1950s with all the different iterations of young men and men's adventures and, and the mm-hmm. relaunch of the Cap series, 16 Cap stories. And, and, and The Man With No Face was featured in, in one of those 16. So I love that they plucked him out of obscurity in that in that that series and used him again in a very meaningful and interesting way in, in a modern story. Yeah, no, I totally, I, I, I think that merits all the good reasons why he made it to number six. All right. So number six on the uh, VH one's greatest one hit wonders. Are you ready for this one? All right. Lay it on me. All right. I'm gonna have to skip the first refrain because it gets right into the refrain. And uh, that just gives it away. So I'm going to get right in. uh, I'm going to skip a little bit here. Well, the party was nice. The party was pumping. Hey, yeah, yippee-yah-yo. And everybody having a ball. Huh, huh? Yippee-yah-yo. I tell the fellows start the name calling. Yippee-yah-yo. And the girls respond to the call. I heard a woman shout out. (laughs) Who let the dogs out? Who? Who? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? <laughs> that was 2000, Bob. Oh my God, I, we scared the cat. Right. <laughs> He's like, who let the dogs out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, I don't that, even know who sang that. Right. That was the Baja men, Bob. The Baja men. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Give them, give them their due. They're one yes. hit that yeah. everybody knows. Uh, they're no Millie Vanilli, but yeah, yeah that's right. true. Millie, yeah. Hey, Millie Vanilli at least had 
multiple. Uh, yeah, they had two yeah. or three. Yeah, 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 they, right. yeah. Right. Maybe they didn't sing their own songs, but still. <laughs> well, all yeah, right. I'm going to be everything to everyone. All right, we're 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 at halftime, Bob. So so now we're 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 counting down from five. Right on our top ten one and done cap villains. Yeah, I got number five, Bob. This one's going to be a little bit more recent. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to go for a little bit more recent times. It might be, some might even say, this one is going to be a little controversial. Ooh, I like that. All right, number five is Dr. Mindbubble. Exactly. Yeah. Some have called him the psychedelic super soldier. Now, he was introduced in... Captain America Volume Seven, which is the the Rick Remender one, the one yeah. we're covering with the with the escape from from Dimension Z storyline, um, well, later on in that series, issue fourteen, he is introduced, and um, he has, actually ends up being in. Uh, I want to say, he ends up being in five issues. So little, I mean, still one and done, right? Still one story. Right. I, I, I'll say the reason it's controversial, Bob, is he did kind of make an appearance somewhere else. And mm -hmm. it was in, there was a, a, a Winter Soldier miniseries that came out at the same time yeah. that this story came out. And it was called The Bitter March. And so he had a brief, brief, brief appearance in issue two of that, which again, was going on at the same time as Captain America uh, in, in 2014. And so Dr. Mindbender was in issues 15 and then 17 through 20. Hmm. Now, why is it controversial? Well, because we kind of, we, we left out the Iron Nail. Yeah. Now, the Iron Nail we left out because same thing. He was in multiple issues of that volume because- Dr. Mindbender actually worked for him, but he ended up being in um, like one through five of the Winter Soldier Bitter March. So that was a little bit more than we could just kind of overlook. And, but he was also in, uh, at least briefly, he appeared in that story I just told you about with the man with no face. Yes. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we didn't include him for that part. Now, I, I want to say... Um, Shout out to Joshua K. Reardon uh, in the Facebook group because uh, Joshua was the one who actually suggested Dr. Mind Bubble. Uh, so uh, he made it. Good job, Josh. Uh, so here he is at number five. Now, a little information about, about Horace Littleton. So he was um, he was part of the Weapons Minus program that shield ran in the 1960s. Now weapons minus was somehow um, kind of involved with creating some other characters uh, in the Marvel universe. But um, so he, he worked, worked back in the, in the 1960s, which is interesting, right? Cause this story came out in 2014 and his job was to work um, on countermeasures for human advancement uh, enhancement developed in the in weapon plus program. Um, beginning with Project Rebirth. Now, he worked on a number of projects, uh, including one designed to facilitate humane assassinations. I like that. Uh, eventually, he became involved in a project that used LSD. Uh, 
to boost um, this hybrid super soldier serum. So he, his funding dried up and without any more human test subjects, he started to do what a lot of mad scientists do, right? He started to experiment on himself. And he discovered that it gave him the ability to create hallucinogenic mind bubbles that come out of a tube that is implanted in his forehead. And these mind bubbles capture his enemy's mind. And then they create a virtual reality where the affected live out their heart's desire. So actually kind of sound, and that's where the whole humane assassination comes from, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, right. Yeah. they're, they're in a, in a peaceful place and, and they're happy. Um, but Dr. Mindball was also able to manipulate the virtual reality of those trapped inside those mind maps and, and creating illusions along the way. Now, once the victim had outlived their usefulness, Dr. Mindbubble then killed them with their greatest desire, um, which kind of sounds a little twisted. Um, Now, here's the key. The only way to escape this reality of the mind bubbles is to commit a virtual suicide inside the false life that's generated by the bubbles before the fantasy kills you. And so that's basically how it happened, right? So... uh, We'll cut to the end, but essentially, Doctor Mind Bubble um, puts Cap inside one of these uh, hallucinogens, and Cap starts to feel like you know he's living in this this world where he wakes up and everything works out well, and he's got his young son Ian Rogers there. He's got Sharon; she's back, right? Who who he thought was dead. Um, his, you know, his whole family and his friends are there and, and they're having this big parade and everything's perfect, but he's like, mm, a little too perfect. And then he realizes what's going on and he, he jumps off the balcony and he commits this quote unquote virtual suicide, which breaks him out. And then he, he fights Dr. Mindbender, who also is there with the iron nail and, um, he uses his shield and throws it at him, which damages the, the tube coming out of Dr. Mindbubble's uh, forehead. And then without a way to release the mind bubbles, Dr. Mindbubble, his own mind, then he becomes overcome with dreams, within dreams. And then he runs outside of Helicary, uh, presumably falling to his death. Holy cow. That's such a great character. Yes, and I, I'm assuming he has a British accent, the way he's dressed. He does have a little bit of a Willy Wonka look to him. He does. You know? Yeah, he's got the bowler hat and the cane, yeah. and he's he's got the suit. Yeah. yeah. He, I, I'm assuming he's British. Yeah. I don't know, Horace Littleton. It does have that ring to it, right? Yeah, uh, Horace, yeah. come on. Yeah, come on. How many I, Americans do you know named Horace? Yeah, nobody would do that. No. Um, really great character and uh, fascinating, and and that what that story arc was, I mean, it was powerful. I mean that that mind bubble that that Steve was trapped in, and everything that he experienced. I mean, you really felt that for for him, right? I mean, that was oh yeah. When he came out, he was angry. He's yeah, like, you used sad. my family yeah. against me. Yeah, he was furious. In fact, he was so angry, he came comes charging at Dr. Mindbubble. Yeah. And here's a, a fun quote. Dr. Mindbubble says, 
Heavens, here he comes to punch away all his bad feelings. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was a good line. Yeah. yeah. Really well-written story. So, you know, and the interesting thing about this, uh, a little bit of a fun fact, um, you know, I love when creators sort of take real history and they create something new from it, right? And so, which is exactly what he did here with with Dr. Mind Bubble. So he talks about back in the 1960s when he when he started his research in humane assassination for for Shield, and that was exactly the time in real history when the U.S. government and, and specifically the the Central Intelligence Agency was doing a lot of research around the use of uh, LSD. Uh, what is that? Lysergic acid diethylamide, right? So, I mean, we know Timothy Leary and all that stuff that happened in the 60s, early 70s with dropping acid. And, but in the 50s and 60s, this was largely, you know, the government using this and, and, and experimenting. And one of the things they did was this project called uh, Project MK Ultra. And one of the sub projects was this thing called Operation Midnight. And what they were trying to do was figure out if LSD could be used to uh, interrogate people, to get people like a, like a form of truth serum. And so uh -huh. what they would do is they hired a bunch of prostitutes that would then All right, go I like, out. I like this so far. You like it so far. Yeah, they would go out and hire prostitutes and the prostitutes would go out and find some Johns. Those are men who pay prostitutes, Rick. I know you're not. Oh, I, I thought you meant bathrooms. Okay. CD technology. And then they would bring them back to CIA safe houses where they would do the deed, right? And then um, drop a little, you know, along the way, they drop a little acid into the client's drink or whatever, and, and mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever, who knows where they put it. And so after the deed, they would then try to question them, extract information from them, uh, get them to tell them things. And all the while, the CIA operatives and, and the FBI was involved in this as well, would be behind uh, one of the one way mirror, right? Observing the whole thing and recording the whole thing for <laughs> later analysis. And so, and sometimes uh, analysis, you know, analysis, mm -hmm. and, and apparently sometimes they were even fed subliminal messages in attempts to induce them to uh, commit involuntary actions that maybe they had never even thought of or dreamt of before, such as, you know, robbery or assault or even their proclivity, you know, their willingness to conduct assassination. So wow. this was all real history. Oh, things that crap. our government did in the late fifties and sixties. And so this idea of Dr. Mind Bubble. Uh, experimenting with this technology is really like based on real world things, which makes the character so much more interesting. Um, yeah, totally. Right? Yeah, I mean, you really—it's like an old Manchurian candidate feel to it. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a great character, and I will say, you know, recently I read that volume two of Hail Hydra, which is that four-issue miniseries with Ian Rogers uh -huh. in, in in the alternate battle world. Uh, run by Dr. Doom and uh, Dr. Mind Bubble is in that too, but we don't count that because that's an alternate universe. Okay. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. If it's a, if it's a different, if it's not the 616, it don't count. Yeah. The other thing we don't count is if they're in flashbacks, right? Right. If, yeah. If someone takes a character and just says, well, we're just going to do a retcon here and do this and the, well, no, the character's dead. Right. So they are technically one and done so you could fill in backstories all you want but they were a one and done yeah although i would like to see mind bubble come back maybe he survived that maybe he was caught by somebody in a floating car or whatever and somehow survived it would he's such a great character it's a shame that when he would be a one and done sort of deal 
I, I, I don't know. I, I see him and I see him as being kind of like a silly character. I, I, he has like an Austin Powers feel. He to does. Him, you know? He does. You know, I'm just, yeah. you know, to see him. Yeah, baby. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's such an interesting power that he has. It is. Uh, and what he can like do to people. Um, it's really, really quite. I mean, the fact that it's based on drugs, you right. know, yeah. uh, you know, because you could do, you could have the 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 telekinetics, right? You're, or you know, the the ones who can control minds and read minds and put thoughts in people's heads. But this is interesting because they, it's actually some sort of drug induced uh, hallucinogen, right? Yeah, and everybody responds differently. So, you know, in this arc, of course, he he traps Nick Fury in the mind bubble. He he traps Maria Hill in the mind bubble. In that Hail Hydra series I just mentioned, he traps uh, uh, Ellie Rogers, who is the daughter of Sharon Carter and Steve Rogers in that alternate world. And, and, and you see, you know, what she sees in her heart's desires. I mean, it's really interesting how that power can be used to, to get people to see and do things. All right, Bob, let's get to... Number four, BH1 Greatest Hit Wonders. You ready for this? I'm ready. I, I, all right, I'm going to have to really skip ahead because the, the title to the song is in like so many of the opening lines. Uh -huh. like, all, right. all right, so I'm going to have to skip ahead. All right. I'm a model. You know what I mean. And I do do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah, on the catwalk. Oh, I on love the catwalk. This song. I do my little turn on the catwalk. Yeah. I'm too sexy for my love. <laughs> too sexy for my love. Love's going to leave me. Oh, I love I'm that song. Too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy. It <laughs> I have no idea who sings it. Oh man, come on. That's right. That's right, said Fred. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is that the really the name of the right said fred yeah right said fred okay 1991 oh. all right all right i love that song i didn't right. realize it was that old though my goodness you know i bob i skipped number five <gasps> i did you have oh just circle back around we'll circle back to we'll circle back to number five that i skipped right. on the list all right, all right. so all let's right. get to number four on our one and done bob I have got a great character for you. So I know we haven't, even in, in the podcast, we haven't given as much love as maybe we should to uh, to volume four. And yep. there's, some, there's some great villains in volume four, right? The interrogator uh, was a great villain um, with, his, with his alien hand. Um, but the one I want to talk about is a guy by Bonnie the name- Ferreira. Connie oh, no, that's volume for three. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Volume four is that 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 quirky yeah, yeah. one, right? Yeah, that's with right, the really yeah. long storylines. That's hard to cover in a podcast. So mm -hmm. we've kind of shied away from some of those. We those did the stories. Cap Lives. We did the Cap Lives one. That was a fun one. Um, so the guy I want to talk about, Anali Redpath. Do you remember Anali? Nope. Nope. <laughs> well, he's a great character and it's a great story. And so um, it takes place between you know, Nally Redpath shows up in Captain America, volume four, number seven, cover date of February, 2003. And the story arc continues through issue 11. So these issues are done by Chuck Austin and Jay Lee. 
And uh, Anali is a great character. So he starts off, he is a good friend of Steve Rogers and, and a colleague, uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. colleague. They, they've worked mm -hmm. together a number of times over the years. And in fact, um, you know, Steve, at the beginning of, of that first issue, is telling somebody about how Anali once took a bullet for him. Uh, even though Anali already had taken four bullets uh, and was wounded, he still jumped in front of a bullet to protect uh, Steve from getting shot. So he's he's that kind of guy, right? He's a guy mm -hmm. that, that Steve trusts. But in the second issue of that arc, issue eight, um, Steve is recounting um, one of the times when he and Anali worked together years before. And they're in the Balkans and they're there on a humanitarian mission providing aid to refugees. And Anali tells him, no, that's not why we're here. Um, we're actually here. That's a cover. We're here to go break into this prisoner camp where they're holding women and children. Uh, and we're going to go there and we're going to rescue the women and children and we're going to kill all the guards because uh, they're bad guys. And the reason I'm here is because those are the sorts of things you won't do. And so Steve's like, oh, no, I'm going to go with you. And so they go. And of course, they're getting ready to infiltrate this prison camp and take out the guard who's on the mm -hmm. tower and, and Steve and is now in his Captain America uniform says, no, 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 let me try something different. Right. And now he's like, no. And Steve does, he tries something different. It's a successful mission. They rescue 182 women and children and no, no casualties on their side. In fact, nobody gets killed, including the bad guys. They arrest them all. Nice. Yeah. And in the process of this, of this mission, Anali asks Steve this question. He says, who's the better American, Steve? The man who does what his government asks, no matter what, or the man who runs around dressed in a flag and lives a higher ideal than the country whose name he shares. So we left. That's a that. great question. It is a great question, right? And we're left, we're left thinking about that question. So back in the previous issue, it starts with Steve getting a call from Nick Fury that lets him know that his friend Anali has been found dead down in Florida. And he wants Steve to head down to uh, investigate. So Steve goes down there uh, to uh, this, where this shield had a human engineering facility called the Smokehouse. And he finds that uh, what happened was uh, Anali had gone there to investigate that facility. And he had run into this other shield renegade agent called Barricade. And he got shot and killed. Yeah, right? So. Wow. Steve runs into the same guy, Barricade, and this guy is getting ready to like fry him. Apparently, he's a, pyrotech, a pyromaniac, and he's going to like burn up Steve, but he's also going to burn up the school bus of children. And Steve surrenders himself mm -hmm. uh, to Barricade in order to prevent this. And the guy says, now nah, we're going to waste everybody anyway, and we're going to kill you too. So, <laughs> right? so like now he's in a pickle, but out of nowhere, uh, Anali shows up and everybody's surprised because he's supposed to be dead. Right. right. Yeah. But it turns out that the first time that Anali was killed, now he's a, he's a Native American, indigenous, indigenous American. I remember the, the Lakota Sioux tribe. And so he had prayed to the, 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 the thunder god of uh, indigenous peoples, Hayoka. Mm -hmm. Hayoka had transferred his consciousness into a clone. And uh, so he survived that way. And not only that, he can channel the Indian thunder gods powers. And so he shows up at this time and he completely kills Barricade and all of Barricade's men. And he explains to Steve, he releases Steve and he says, look, 
for too long, the American people have you know, trampled on the rights of indigenous Native Americans. And this is our land and it's time for us to take it back. And so his plan is he's going to unleash a huge hurricane on Miami. And, and he gets ready to do that. And he gives Steve one of those, you know, those concoctions, those, what are the other thing? A little bowl, like Ayahuasca or something mm -hmm, like that, sure. you know, you know, to make you have your visions, right? He gives that to Steve. And Steve starts to have all these visions. I love how you say, you know, you like, know. you know, the bowl, you have your visions. Like I do this. Like you do. Well, I see you doing drinking that with your pretzels sometimes. So I just figured it was mm -hmm. the same, same stuff. So this is going on. But what happens is we find out along the way that whenever the God of Hyoka, the God of thunder, basically the indigenous inversion four channels himself through Anali's clone, it weakens the clone because the clones are molecularly unstable. And so he has to be able to keep transferring himself every time Hayoka appears. He's got to go to a new clone to get a fresh body. And he just so happens he built his own clone facility back on the uh, Native American Indian reservation where his grandfather lived. So it's great. He's got a fully stocked cabinet of clones. So the whole thing unwinds. Steve's having these weird visions with Red Skull and Bucky, and he thinks it's Sharon, but it's actually Hannah, uh, the Lemurian, I think. And, you know, things are going on, and Nick Fury's pulling his hair out, and Thor shows up and helps Steve finally take on Anali and Hoka. And say, Hoka, the god of thunder for the indigenous peoples, pulls himself out of Anali's body so that he can go fight Thor, god of thunder against god of thunder, which means Anali doesn't have any powers. And so Cap accidentally hurts him so bad that he's dying, right? And he doesn't, he thinks he's going to like transfer his consciousness into another clone. But at the same time, Nick Fury has gone out to the reservation and put a bullet in every clone's head. Well, that is so Nick Fury. Isn't it though, right? Yeah, and his mm -hmm. grandfather, now his grandfather's like, you can't do this. My grandson will die forever if you do this. And he's like, ah, too bad, so sad. <laughs> right, no clones left. So that means when Anali dies, Anali dies. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's, it's a really, this story's great, Rick, for a lot of reasons, but one of them is it's, uh, it's really deep. It's one of those stories I really like because it asks some tough questions about what it, what does it mean to be an American hero? What does it mean to be a patriot? What does it mean to accept some of the things that America has done mm -hmm. and yet still support the idea of the American dream and what America can be. And there are lots of conversations in this story between Anali and Steve trying to like debate this issue. The quote I, I provided at the beginning is one of those, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so what I, what I really like is at the end of that rescue mission, Anali has another quote where he says, we rescued 182 people that day. It took 25 minutes beginning to end, not a single life lost. He made me truly believe in America that day. There's nothing stupid about him, but I should have made a distinction between the country and the man. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So, great. So he disappears at the end of this arc, issue number 11, and we don't mm -hmm. hear from him again. But, you know, anything's possible in Marvel, Marvel Comics. So why, why did this make number four on your list, Bob? Well, because the story is so powerful, right? And we don't have that many uh, indigenous American characters in the marvel universe there's a handful and we've seen some of them pop up occasionally in in captain america stories but it, it does i mean just the the depth of the the dialogue and the the idea that uh you know and of course in the marvel comics there are 
uh, other gods between, but besides the Olympian gods and, mm -hmm. and the Eternals and the Norse gods, there's lots of uh, Native American gods that are represented in Marvel comics in, in different ways and in, in, in different titles. And so Hyoka is just one of those gods. So it's interesting to see um, a new Native American god appear uh, as a champion of the Native American peoples, even if it's maybe in the case of the Nali, taken in a direction that, you know, makes them a villain in this case. Right. And this is another case of kind of going back and retconning, um, you know, previous character, you know, basically saying this character existed way back when, right? It's not a new character, but, but this character existed before. So it seems like some of these characters have that, um, you know, in common. Yeah, they build a history for them, right? They retcon uh, pre-existing history for them. Um, yeah, that, that explains where they are now. Yeah, and if you and talk, speaking of retcons, like we we actually spent a couple of episodes just talking about Captain America retcons, um, and I highly recommend people check them out. Uh, episodes eighty four and eighty nine are our top ten other Cap retcons, not not the obvious ones, right? Not not like Avengers four and and winter soldier and things like that. But these are the other retcons. So, so some of these could fall into that, you know, these characters could fall into that as far as um, characters that, you know, are new, but apparently had a history with cap prior to being new. Yeah. Yeah. Fun episodes to listen to. All right, Bob. So we're going to circle back to the uh, VH one greatest one hit wonders. I skipped number five. I went right to number four, which was right said, Fred, I'm too sexy. This next one uh, is number five. And uh, it is, I, I'm going to give it away. I, there's, there is no part of this song that I can really do without giving away what it is. So I'm just going to do it. Ready? I'm ready. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so <laughs> fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Hey, hey Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah. I am always put in a happy place when that song comes on the radio. Tony Basil. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 1982. Yeah. Uh -huh. I'll never forget that as a, as a young man. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It was such a simple video, right? It was just it a really white, was. white back screen yeah. and all the girls were, you know, cheering as cheerleaders. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's a catchy tune. It is a catchy tune. It's and a fun, it made. It made VH1's number five on greatest awesome. one-hit wonders. Awesome. Well-deserved. All right, Bob. I'm going to do number three on our top 10 All list right. of villains one and done. I'm going to go with Codename Bravo. So so this one's this one's an interesting character. And, and, and you know, I, I you probably have noticed, like, the ones that I'm picking, like Dr. Mindbubble, right? Like, like Dr. Mindbubble was in five issues well Kone bravo was in 11 issues still one story so it still classifies as one and done but this was this was um the volume six the the ed brubaker series that came out after the ed brubaker series yeah. right so we're we're caps back steve rogers is back and uh so this one kind of continues some of the storylines from before but but really creates some brand new ones and and one of the ones that they did was this character called uh codename bravo 
and talk about retconning, right? The the story kind of gets its impetus from some 19, like some golden age stuff, right? There was a, a character by the name of uh, Jimmy Jankovitz, and which went by Jimmy Jupiter. Mm. And, and Jimmy Jupiter first appeared in Marvel Mystery Comics number 28 back in the golden age. And it was a story called Strange Adventures in the Land of Nowhere. And so Ed Brubaker took this, this idea and created this whole larger story about this, this character called uh, codenamed Bravo. Um, his name was Richard, but we don't know his last name. And um, so this was back in, in 2011, you know, and it was, this is the Ed Brubaker and Steve McNiven series. And so, uh, Coney Bravo was allegedly a super soldier from the 1920s and 40s and part of a team that was built by Nick Fury, along with Captain America, Peggy Carter, and Dum Dum Dugan to attack Hydra. And so Bravo was enhanced by a variant of the super soldier serum. Consequently, his powers are not comparable with those of Cap, um, but his, you know, he's still physically superior uh, to other like Olympic level athletes. He uses twice the speed and the strength of a, of a normal human. And so um, Jimmy Jupiter, getting back to the golden age, as a young boy, he developed this power to use his imagination to travel to this uh, fantasy world known as nowhere. And he could create anything he wanted with his thoughts. So Jimmy was asked by S.H.I.E.L.D. to to help create this covert ops team infiltrate a Hydra base using this extra dimensional nowhere as a shortcut. And um, unfortunately he sent codename Bravo and his, you know, spec op soldiers through the portal to nowhere. A Hydra spy agent clocked him over the head and, and put Jimmy into a coma. Oh, shucks. Yeah. So this, this had a, uh, an effect of trapping both Bravo's team and the group of Hydra agents on the other side. So they had to work together to, in order to live in nowhere. And this went on for decades. So they were cooperating to kind of turn this nowhere uh, into this place that suited them. And there was this mysterious woman from within nowhere called Hydra queen. Now, 70 years later, Jimmy who's obviously now an old man, he emerges from his coma and 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 though he remained canatonic, his awakening released back into reality all those who've been trapped in nowhere. So among those were now the combined S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra agents, right? Because they had to work together to, to live there and this was led by Bravo. Now, just so you know, Bravo disliked Cap because... Both he and uh, Cap were, yeah, well, they were smitten with Peggy back during the war, but she only had eyes for Steve. So as soon as he was released into reality from nowhere, he and the new Hydra Queen started plotting with Baron Zemo and Hydra to destroy Captain America. Uh, because, you know, Bravo blamed Cap for his accidental imprisonment as well as for stealing Peggy Carter away from him. So this story... Uh, 
kind of goes on. And, and so I, as I said, he's in 11 issues and it's a pretty cool story. And again, it's retconned, right? You, you, you take a little bit of something from the golden age and then you expand upon it, you know, much, much like what you were talking about, right. With, with, um, man with no face. Yeah. And so, um, but it made for a really, really interesting story. So yeah, that's why to me, he makes the top three on this list. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's a, first of all, that, that whole that whole volume I think is great. Uh, and McNiven's art is fabulous. Absolutely uh, in that series, and uh, and I do like the fact that you know they just plucked this Jimmy Jupiter out of timely history, uh, a, a kid who, who was in a lot of books I think and a lot of different stories, and used that as the basis for this whole story arc that was really fascinating. And and then Bravo having this grudge against steve um over over a woman over peggy right no right you know what happened to bros before you know spies right i mean <laughs> you wanted to say something else <laughs> well he also blamed him for for being trapped there for being trapped yeah right yeah um so anyway yeah i mean you, you're right uh johnny i'm sorry jimmy jupiter was um he was in a lot of those timely comics he 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 was in an additional 19 issues of marvel mystery comics in the 40s uh, and he had a backup story in Human Torch number ten, so very wow. very cool, yeah. you know yeah. that they they that Ed Brubaker tapped into that and yeah. to to create this story. I also love in this story that uh, there's a great little and I don't know I don't know if you remember that, but there was this great little the sideline where they, you know they bring in the Ameridroid again, resurrect. Oh right, yeah. yeah, yeah, right, and uh, and that's how like they drag Steve Rogers into nowhere along with the Ameridroid and in Bravo. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's this, there's this great little scene where um, Ameridroid, you know, pulls him in. He's filled his, you know, the, the responsibility he had was to get tap into nowhere. And then he transforms into Lyle Decker, you know, a young Lyle Decker. Uh, mm -hmm. the guy who uh, was a Nazi sympathizer who, who became the Ameridroid. And he thinks he's happy as a clam because, you know, he's young and youthful again in this fantasy land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. I, I It's a great story. Um, this is volume six, came out in 2011. Um, this particular story with, with uh, Codename Bravo went, you know, all the way up to issue 18, which was uh, towards the end of 2012. So, you know, one of these days, hopefully we can cover that here on the, on the podcast. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. There's a lot of great stories in, uh, in that volume, uh, this being one of them. All right, Bob, let's get to number three on the greatest one hit wonders. All right, All right. let me, let me see if I, this one, this one might be a little tougher. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Poor old Johnny Ray. He sounded sad upon the radio moved a million hearts in mono our mothers cried sang along who blamed them you're grown you're grown up so grown so grown up now i must say more than ever to ra lu ra to ra lu ra yeah yeah and we sing just like our father Lexi's midnight runners Come on, Eileen. Yeah. <laughs> That's such yeah. a good song, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Another song that can take me back in a heartbeat. Dexy's oh, Midnight totally. Runners. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Right. It, yeah. it was, uh, that was in uh, 1983. Yeah. I could still in my mind, I, Rick, I haven't seen that video since 1993 and the, the young blondie in the, in the farmer overalls. Yeah. Yeah. I can, you know, still, how you doing? That penguin is still standing strong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a euphemism? Like, what are we right. talking about here? Right. All right, yeah. Bob, what do you got for number two? What do you, All right. we're, we're in the top two. Got top two. Top villains, one and done. What do you got uh, here? All right, I'm going to go with. going to be a good one. Clinton McIntyre, otherwise Who? known as Protocide. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the first time we see Protocide is in Captain America, volume three, number 28. A cover date of April 2000. So mm -hmm. that means he was created by Dan Jurgens and Andy Kubert. So, you know, we got to go back a couple issues. We got to go back to actually uh, issue 26 to, to see where Protocide's story begins. And it starts with three S.H.I.E.L.D. agents basically assigned to inventory uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. warehouse that they've been storing stuff in all the way back to World War One. So lots and lots of things unlabeled. Somebody lost the inventory. They got to go there in inventory. So they're looking around. They're finding things, writing it down. And they come across this big... Well, let's just say a man-sized crate. And one of the agents turns around and immediately kills the other two. What? Yeah. And his name is Billups. And we see in the next couple issues that he like wheels that crate out of there. And it turns out he's actually an operative of advanced idea mechanics. AIM. AIM. Yeah. He's an AIM operative. And he takes this crate to the AIM headquarters, and he turns it over to the AIM director. And so in issue 28, we see what it is they found in the crate. And that's the first time we see this character named Protocide. And so over the next few issues, we learn a little bit more about Protocide, although we don't see his full origin story until Captain America Annual 2000, which mm -hmm. I think came out with a cover date of November uh, 2000. And so what really happened was, is this was a guy who was sort of waiting in the wings with Steve Rogers to see if he would be the first candidate for the super soldier serum. Mm -hmm. And so we see in his origin story that Dr. Erskine's there, and we see Chester Phillips there, the general in charge of Project Rebirth, and we see another general by the name of General Saunders. And General Saunders isn't happy that Chester Phillips and Erskine want to use the 4F weakling, Steve Rogers, to be the first recipient of the super soldier serum. He's got his eyes on another guy, a private Clinton McIntyre, who unfortunately happens to be in the lockup and sentenced to death because he fragged his CO on the battlefield over in France. He's a mean guy. Doesn't sound like a nice guy. guy. Yeah, burly guy, mean guy, but he's a great physical specimen. So Saunder thinks this is the guy we should be enhancing even more to be our top soldier. And so he steals a vial of the, the super soldier serum and he gives it to Clinton McIntyre. And he says, if you drink this and you take the enhancement, then I will make sure you get a full pardon and you will be the American hero. And so Clinton McIntyre chugs it. Right. And then he starts like going through his like, oh, my God, it hurts. It hurts, you know, sort of thing. And then he keels over dead, has a heart attack. And then, you know, Phillips and Erskine find out and they're like, oh, that was only the first part of the serum. There's three components to the serum, as we know, we know through all the retcons now. Mm -hmm. Right. So you only gave him the first part. So it killed him. 
And so they put him on ice someplace and stick him in this warehouse. And that's where Billups had found him and brought him over to AIM headquarters. And guess what? They were able to reanimate him. Same reason Cap, you know, was stuck in the ice for all those years. They were able to, you know, he was able to come back. They were able to bring back Clinton, Clinton McIntyre. And they actually, they name him Protocide as a sort of shorthand for prototype. But here's the thing. He was never the first candidate. But they told him he was. The AIM guys basically fed him a diet of disinformation and said, yeah, 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 you were the first Captain America. You were the one who were enhanced and you were sent over to fight the Nazis in Europe. And Steve Rogers was the second guy, right? And then he went over and killed you. And that's how you what? ended up in the crate. That's, yeah. You know, those AIM guys... Mm -hmm. So he's super mad at Steve Rogers, right? That Steve Rogers not only killed him, but basically stole his glory to, as, as, as the American hero. And so they send him out to like find Cap, right? The first guy he runs into, it's like his first test they send him out is against U.S. agent. And he gives like a beat down on U.S. agent. I mean, Johnny Walker didn't have a chance against this guy. And we know how strong Johnny Walker is, even relative to Steve Rogers. And like Protoss has no problem putting down U.S. agent. So as the story progresses, and it carries through for several more issues, we, we finally see the showdown between uh, Cap and um, Protoss, because AIM has Protoss going out and destroying Hydra bases. Yeah, they're trying to take Hydra off the map. So Cap runs into him in the process of Protoss trying to like destroy a Hydra base. Mm -hmm. and, and they both get attacked by the Hydra agents. And so they have to work together to, uh, to survive this. And there's this big energy core. And in the process of what's going on, old Clinton McIntyre, Protocide, falls into the energy core. And he's hanging on by his fingertips. And Steve reaches down to help him out. And of course, you know, he can't help himself. He's got to give a speech. Mm -hmm. He's got to give a speech about- Of course, he can't. Yeah, yeah Steve right? couldn't help yeah, himself. Yeah. Right? You, you've been given this great- capability, these enhancements, you know, use them for the right reason, use them for good, use them to make the world a better place. And he helps them out. And what does Protoside do? Knock Steve into the energy core. Yeah. Right? And then he takes off, right? And he goes back to AIM headquarters and he tells them that, yeah, I knocked him in the energy core. And then they're trying to like fill his head with more lies, but he's starting to suspect now. He's like, why did this guy like try to save me? And he can't get Steve's speech out of his head. Mm -hmm. So you know, that's going on. And guess what? Steve didn't die in the energy core. He saved, he by, his, he saved by his shield. That uh -huh. great shield. He like landed on his shield and all that energy is like going against the shield. So he manages to get out and he goes to find the AIM building, the headquarters where Protoside is. And they end up fighting again. And this time it's Steve who finds himself in a predicament and Protoside saves him. But at the same time, Protocide flips into where this big explosion occur occurs. And we think that is the end of Protocide, that he sacrificed his life to uh, save Steve Rogers. But at the end of that book, we see uh, a guy from the back anyway, we assume is Clinton McIntyre because he's got Protocide shield and he's mm -hmm. asking for a ride from a truck driver. And he says, I just want to go anywhere far away from here. So he's still alive. But we haven't seen him since. I don't get that. I don't understand why we haven't seen him since. He seems like such a compelling character, an interesting character. Um, and by the way, thank you, Andrew Rodriguez, uh, on the Facebook group for suggesting Protocide. You were the first one 
to suggest uh, putting protocyte here on the list. Um, I he's I don't know. listen, J. Michael Straczynski. If you're listening, I'm sure you got a year's worth of plots figured out. You mm-hmm. need to get protocyte yeah. into the story. Bring him back. He's an interesting character. Um, and you know, it brings, it brings, uh, again, a lot of these guys are retcon guys, right? A lot of these yeah. are, you know, Oh, the, you know, this, this, this character has been around a long time. It seems to be a favorite of a lot of, of writers, uh, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it gives you an opportunity to, I mean, if you introduce somebody new, you're, you, you've only got you know, a short time to work with, but if you have, you have this retcon history, you can create all kinds of backstory, right? But here's one of the things I really like about Protocyte. You know, as I said earlier, I love this idea of different versions of, of the super soldier serum, you know, this all weapon plus for that matter. And you know, there's lots of folks, Horace Littleton, Dr. Mindbubble was part of the weapons minus program, guys who were supposed to be creating ways to deal with people who are weapons plus. But I like Protocyte because he comes from the same era. So all the things that we know about Steve wrestling with this being a man out of time, you know, just like the linguistic artifacts, the, the sayings he uses, his, his pop culture references, his preferences for films and, and, uh, and music. Clint McIntyre comes from that same time frame. So there's a lot there to work with. One mm-hmm. of the best quotes I yeah. think from Protocide in this story is he says, I'm the man you destroyed 60 years ago, pal. Here's where I square the deal with interest. Nice. And that quote right there, Steve says, hey, that lingo is old lingo. That's lingo from like my period. Square it's, the deal with interest. Yeah. yeah. So he knows that like this guy comes from that era just based on the language. So that right there is a kernel of like the possibilities of two guys from the same world, both men out of time. I mean, that'd be great to work with. Totally. Yeah. We need to bring him back. We need to bring him back. Everybody listening to that. Yeah. Well, here, here's a fun fact, Rick. Yeah. Protocide is actually in real world, an oral antibiotic with the, the generic name tinidazole. And it's used to fight bacteria in the body, including infections in the intestines and vagina. You don't say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think JMS should totally make sure he brings <laughs> that up uh, so that, you know, maybe maybe when it comes up like protocides on the loose and then the Avengers <laughs> monitor comes up and, you know, someone's on there and they're like, wait a minute, yeah. this or- antibiotic is, is on the loose? Can you imagine? Picture the scene. Ready? They're in Avengers Mansion. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somebody says, where the hell is protocide? Right. And then Alexa's <laughs> in the corner and Alexa's like, protocide is in Black Widow. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> because she has an intestine infection. Right. Intestinal infection. Right. Yes, she travels yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. She might have had a, she might yeah. have had a Turkish delight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So number two, Bob, let's get that. First of all, that was a great number two for our uh, top say that every day. uh well then let's get to the number two on the greatest one hit wonders you ready for this one i'm ready okay sometimes i feel like i've got to run away i've got to get away from the pain you drive into the heart of me the love we share seems to go nowhere and i've lost my life for i toss and turn i can't sleep at night once I ran to you. Now 
I run from you. Oh, no. This tainted love you've given. I give you all a boy could give you. Take my tears and that's not nearly all. Oh, no. Tainted love. It's right on the tip of my tongue. I can see the video. It's Tainted I, Love. Is that the name of the band? No, the name of the band I know is that. I know Soft those. Cell. Yeah, Soft Cell. I know the song, but I, yeah, I can't. 1981. I can't the band. Soft Cell. Yeah. 1981, yeah. Mm, great song. Tainted yeah. Love. Yeah. This is why I listen to Bob FM on the radio. I told uh, you yeah? my, my preference for 102.9 Bob FM. They all play right. all this all this music. All right, I'm going to I'm going to admit something. Back right. back in 1981, I misheard the lyrics. <laughs> okay. I I could have sworn instead of take my tears and that's not nearly all, right? Yeah. It wasn't I didn't hear the word tears. I heard something else. <laughs> It started with a T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I used to be like, what? What? They can't be saying that on the radio. Yeah, it's earlier when you said catatonic. Yeah. I thought you said canatonic. So I was like, what the hell does it have to do with a canatonic? Oh, catatonic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, sounds like you got a drinking problem. Yeah. All right. Let's get to number one on the top. 10 Captain America one and done villains. You ready for this one? Yes. I really thought this was a no brainer. This, this to me makes the most sense. Um, this character had a very short lifespan, but has appeared in so many different stories over the years. Um, this person actually, this character is a one and done, and yet was in the MCU, right? Like okay. how many yeah. how many one and done villains can you say made it into the movies? Okay. This is a one and done villain, yet they appeared in Tales of Suspense 63, Captain America 109, Captain America 255, The Adventures of Captain America number one, Avengers the Initiative Annual number one, Captain America Comics 70th Anniversary, Captain America Reborn number two, The Marvel's Project number four, Captain America in the 1940s comic newspaper strip. And you're like, that can't be. How yeah. can this, this character have paired in all of this and qualify as a one and done. I'm going to tell you why. It's none other than Heinz Kruger. Oh, the ketchup king. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Heinz Kruger uh, appeared at Captain America Comics number one, which came out in March of 1941 by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Who's Heinz Kruger? Come on, everybody. You know who he is. He's the spy, the Nazi German spy who came in. And he shot Dr. Erskine. Rat right? That He's got to be number one. Yeah. Because he is the the person who is the reason Steve Rogers is the only super soldier. That is true. Yes. Right? So Heinz Kruger was a spy, right? And he, he, he was sent by Hitler to infiltrate U.S. Army's Project Rebirth to stop Erskine from successfully deploying his super soldier serum and allowing the United States to produce an army of super soldiers. So he somehow 
infiltrates in there. He has a, a secret identity, right? He makes his way in. And then uh, after Steve Rogers has been successfully enhanced um, with the, the serum, with the fighter rays, right? Kruger broke the observation cabin's glass and he shoots Dr. Erskine. Now, Rogers, who, you know, he, he just became you know, enhanced. He's not used to his own strength yet. He tries to capture Kruger and he throws him into the Vita Ray device, which, well, it caused Kruger's death, right? He, he was electrocuted. So technically he's a one and done, right? Uh, he is. But yeah, yet he's tricky. so important, Bob, yeah. that he has appeared in all those issues that I mentioned. Yeah. To me, that makes him the logical number one one and done villain. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I bet, I bet there's even more issues that he probably appeared in. And I know that, like in my one of my favorite all time series, the eight issue, the Marvels Project. Mm, he yeah, had, that's you know, he had, he had quite a bit about him. Um, we we learn a lot more about Heinz Kruger, but still, that's it. That's that's how his story ends in the Project Rebirth, you know, lab. Um, so I think it's a great choice. Great choice, Rick. Absolutely. All right. We'll finish this with the VH1 number one ranked one hit wonder. This one is, uh, this one's also got a little uh, Spanish in it, Bob, that um, it's going to be a little tough for me to do this one, but I'm going to do my best. I am not trying to seduce you. When I dance, they call me blank. And the boys, they say, que soy buena. They all want me. They can't have me. So they all come and dance beside me. Move with me. Chant with me. And if you're good, I'll take you home with me. I don't have any idea about that one. Nobody's ever uh, said that to me. Ah. All right. Um, Hard for me to get my wife to say that to me. <laughs> so. Get in line. Um, it. <laughs> I it it's my Karina. Is it really? Yes. All right. Dun da da dun da da dun da 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 dun da da dun da da dun da 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 dun da da dun da da dun da 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 da. Hey, Macarena. Apparently, that is the the number one. Uh one hit wonder of all time that makes sense it was a worldwide hit it was and it still played at every single wedding i know except mine <laughs> it was not played at mine wasn't there was a that. list of songs not yeah. to play at my wedding that i gave to the dj yeah electric slide uh, uh, i think that was not on there um oh there are a few others yeah yeah uh right. celebrate oh <laughs> Have a good time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 All right. Bob, this has been yeah. an extra long episode. So maybe we could just do real quickly. Who do we think dishonorable mentions are? I certainly have one. I certainly, yeah? I love the green skull. Um, we the saw green him. skull. Now, I love the green skull because we, we see him only in the first, I don't know, two pages of Captain America volume seven, number one. He's, mm -hmm. he, he looks like the red skull, but he's got a green skull and he's like an eco terrorist. So he flies around in an aircraft that's powered by compost. And he has this sort of bioweapon that turns people 
into vegetative matter. And that's his mm -hmm. plan. He's going to return Mother Earth, Mother Gaia back to the plants, right? So he's got a great quote, Rick. I love this quote. You're far too late, Prince Protector of Pollution. And he's referring, <laughs> of course, to Cap, right? Yeah. So the inconvenient truth is you're going to die. Come on, that's gold. It is. That was and good he, stuff. He's still alive because Cap captures him and turns him over to the police. So who knows? Yeah. Well, you know, we did cover that in episode 122, Castaway in Dimension Z number one. That was kicking off volume seven. So before Cap actually got sucked away into Dimension Z, uh, he did battle the Green Skull. All right. That's a good that's a good honorable mention or dishonorable mention. Um, I'm going to go with Phoenix. Now, uh, Brad Gauss, G-A-U-S-E, I don't uh, Brad Gauss, he uh, suggested Phoenix in 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 the facebook group and there were a few others who agree with them and saying oh 100 phoenix we got to do phoenix and i'm gonna go with no um yes <laughs> helmet zemo uh was phoenix yeah um he did come back as baron zemo the the next iteration of baron zemo and who is quite honest Quite honestly, he's he's the number two villain of, in my opinion, and yeah. I think yours, yeah. uh, of Captain America. He's so um, to 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 have him number two in our, or, well, number one really in our top ten list, not named Red Skull, and then put him in this one, just yeah. didn't seem right. Um, yeah, he 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 only had the one issue as Phoenix, um, but he came back as Baron Zemo. So. Right. Helmet Zemo does not make our list, but it is this Phoenix is a dishonorable mention. Yeah, yeah, he definitely deserves to be mentioned. And uh, and we and we and that was a great that was a great episode too. Where we covered that one. I I love that. Um, I think it was the only time it was issue one sixty eight, but it was the Power Records adaptation of it. Yeah, right? yeah, and so that was a lot of fun to to cover that. I think it was episode twenty nine, and. Um, yeah. So look uh, at you remembering oh, episode know. numbers. Rick, you know me. It's like a, I have a mind like a steel trap. That's slightly rusty. Need some WD forty from time to time, but it uh, does squeak but, a lot. But that was a that was a fun episode to do with you. So definitely check that one out if you haven't. Uh, haven't it is it. cool because we do we do take excerpts from the record and play it interdispersed throughout. Uh, so yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, episode twenty nine. Right. All right, Bob. We promised that we would get to who our guest is going to be next episode. Yes. I am very excited. Oh, and by the way, uh, everybody out there, um, I hope you enjoyed this top 10 list. We, if there was anybody that we left out that you're like, that's crazy. There's no, there's no way in the world that, Adonis should have made this top 10 list. We should have had blank <laughs> on here. Schmedlap should have been here. Yeah, exactly. Then yeah. fine. Let us know. Put it in the, the Facebook comments when we when we post this episode. Uh, would love to hear your feedback on that. All right. Next episode. This person is a former guest on the show. Uh, she had been on episode 86, which came out... Um, about 13, well, I guess when this comes out, maybe 14 months ago. And so it's high time to come back, but the timing couldn't be any better. Alana Smith, who is the editor of the Captain America line of comics, she oversees all of the Captain America and Captain America related books. She was the one that, um, you know, we had on 
prior to uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly taking off um, the new volume series uh, and prior to having um, uh, Tochi Oyobuchi on, you know, for the new Sam Wilson series. So she, she came on back in episode 86 to kind of talk about that. Now we're going to have her back to talk about the ending of those two series. Why did the end uh, what was the the thought process behind that? And to talk about the new upcoming Captain America series with the aforementioned J. Michael Straczynski. So that's going to be a great conversation, Bob. I look forward to that. There's a lot of questions I know that people have, and and we got to dig to the bottom of this, and 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 maybe get some get some like gems of of what's coming down the pike because. Uh... Yeah, I think there's a lot of unease, right, with the ending of the last and the beginning of the next, and and I think people want to know what they can expect. Absolutely, uh, and and you know whatever whatever nuggets we can get for her, and quite frankly, I want the dirt and a lot of the old stuff didn't last around because yeah. I know everybody was super excited about it. Yeah. So yeah. maybe we can get a little information on that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, All right. right, Bob. As always, I had a ton of fun wrapping cap with you. I did too. I cannot wait, Rick, to do this again. Absolutely. All right. Well, he's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Fabanis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America comic book fans podcast.